Hey, this is Ryan and Brock with the Lead Defend Podcast. Uh, super excited to have Greg Steer with us. Um, Greg founded Dare to Share. Big ha- movement. Ha- how long ago? 32 years ago. Yes. I'm, I'm really old. So if you've never one heard of Dare to Share, it is oh, one of the man. premier uh, evangelism training it is. Um, resources. In fact, we were just talking before about the resources that Dare to Share produced that we didn't even know produced, but that have shaped our lives. So Brock, you mentioned a video. Yeah, the propaganda video, God, Our Sins, Paying Everyone Life. Had yep. no idea that uh, Dare to Share was behind it, but I can I can remember vividly. Yeah, yeah we, so, we produced it for one of our tours and okay. then put it up on YouTube afterward. And we had no idea what Blew a viral, viral video. I'm like, what in the world is happening? Absolutely. This is good. And, and, and in fact, uh, Greg was just sharing with us a couple apps and resources. Greg, what's the best way for somebody to go and find out more about Dare to Share and the resources you all yeah, have? Yeah, I just think daretoshare.org. It's the number two, daretoshare.org. It's got a ton of free resources. And then on the App Store, Life in Six Words is our face-sharing app. Mm. It's free. Life in Six Words. And again, it was inspired by the propaganda video, which, yeah, yeah, it's great. And it is incredible. You just walked us through it. I I mean, it gives a really low-key way to start conversations and share the gospel with friends. And really engaging. Yeah. You you have somebody choose six words out of 14. How would you describe your life in six words? And then you say, tell me why you chose those words. I've I've been doing evangelism a long time. I have never encountered a tool where I don't get turned down. I've, hmm. I mean, I'm sure I will at some point, but I've used it hundreds of times, and I've n- never been turned out. People want to choose their words, and they want to tell you why. So there's an app for iPhone, Android, yeah. either way? Yeah, you bet. Greg, you're saying this is an app that, I mean, they don't get turned down. Now, people are going to start begging you to create a dating app. If oh, they yeah, can, that's if, right. if, if it's that that's successful, right. they're that's not right. getting turned D- down. Dates I in mean. six words. <laughs> that's right, dates in six words. So, Greg, you're passionate about evangelism. Tell us just a little bit of your story. How, how did you come to know Jesus, and, and what's your background there? Well, I was a fatherless kid in the inner city of Denver mm. in the highest crime area, and my family was a very dangerous family. I, mm. my, three of my uncles were competitive bodybuilders. Wow. I was like young Sheldon in the hood. <laughs> wow. I was not. Uh, my fourth uncle was a uh, bouncer. My fifth uncle was a Golden Gloves boxer, judo wow. champion. I was a one-night stand. My mom was the only girl in the group, so I never knew my biological mm-hmm. father. Family was a downward spiral, a hot mess, as they say, yeah. and a hillbilly preacher uh, nicknamed Yankee. On a dare, reach my toughest uncle with the gospel, and then wow. the, the steroid-induced uh, dominoes began to fall, and my whole family came to Christ. Goodness. I got involved in Yankees youth ministry. He had 800 teens in the youth group. He had mm. 300 adults in his church. He believed the fastest way to reach the city was through the youth. Wow. So I got trained, equipped, and mobilized when I was 12. I was able to lead my own mom to Christ when mm. I was 15. I, was, I tried from the time I was 12. Finally led her to Christ, discipled my mom. So it's funny, I, when people talk about family ministry, I look at it a little different. I'm like, yeah, yeah, family ministry, teens leading their parents to Christ. It's a whole new generation right <laughs> Absolutely. Now. It's a different paradigm. It's a different paradigm, and we have to re- realize that. But anyway, so I got that, that evangelism training DNA in me from the time I was a kid. And so Dare to Share just started. I started, I was a church planner, mm-hmm. planted Grace Church in Arvada, Colorado, suburb of Denver in 1989. Started Dare to Share two years later, did both. Church was growing, Dare to Share was growing, and then April 20th, 1999, the Columbine High School shooting took place. Wow. I knew a lot of the kids there. My wife's a public school teacher in the same district, hmm. so I was like, you know what? i got to resign and focus on mobilizing the next generation with and through the church. So is there a connection between your uncle coming to faith in Christ based on a pastor being dared? Like, I, is, you is know that what? The I, think, I think there is a psychological connection. I, do, I, okay. never, I never put that together, but I do think there is because my whole my whole family was like the Dare family, yeah. right? Wow. And Yankee was a guy who would take a Dare. So I think probably yeah. there you go. Yeah. Well, Greg, it's incredible. I mean, you talk about a tragedy. I mean, the Columbine shooting, and you saying, "Man, this, this I, I had to share the gospel with more folks." 
Well, my question was, man, what if we mobilize the Christian teens on every campus to reach out to the potential shooters, to the yeah. bad, the broken, the bullied, and the bullies? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I figured the best way I could serve the local church is by mobilizing young people for the gospel. And now we yeah. have uh, teenagers, college students. I mean, we train adults too, but our primary focus are young people, Wow, mobilizing them for the gospel. That's incredible, because I think a lot of times you think of sharing the gospel to, to help comfort the victims, but you're saying, no, 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 the, the gospel actually... Uh, is is the thing that can reduce the abusers. Yeah, it prevents crime. I mean, yeah. my, my family is a perfect example of that. My, my Uncle Jack went to jail for choking two cops unconscious at the same time. And wow. then he comes to Christ, and now he's leading cops to Christ. You know, mm. I mean, and my whole family. I, I guarantee you, when my family came to Christ, the crime rate uh, in North Denver <laughs> dropped. The Denver Mafia nicknamed my uncles the Crazy Brothers before wow. they came to Christ. So when the Mafia thinks your family's dysfunctional, yeah, it ain't good. No, but, wow. but my, when my family came to Christ, my uncle Jack, that same guy, brought 250 people out to church in one month. Wow. One month. I'm not exaggerating. Wow. He just they had to get the good news out. Yeah. So yep. they took all that aggression. It's contagious. They yeah. used in fighting to make disciples, mm. and so that's why, that's why I'm doing what I do. Well, Greg, Lead Defend is obviously a conference. We talk about leadership apologetics. Uh, we do this mm-hmm. podcast, but um. But I'm interested for you. I mean, you spent your life mobilizing the next generation mm-hmm. to share the gospel. And, and so where does where does evangelism intersect apologetics? Oh, my goodness. It, it They go together. And I think that's part of the problem, the way that we present evangelism and apologetics. We, we present them separately. Wow. And I think when you present evangelist, evangelism separate from apologetics, then you have a, just a bunch of hit-and-run evangelists that don't have any depth. When you just do apologetics apart from evangelism, you have a bunch of, you know, heady nerds that know all the answers but don't engage people with the gospel. When mm. you bring those both together, then you get hit and run heady nerds. No, you get you get you get you know, you get evangelists that, that know how to have deep conversations. That know, so I really, you know, one of the things we do at every Dare to Share event is we actually turn students loose to share the gospel and then they come back. Yeah. They they're asking questions like, "Hey, why mm-hmm. do we believe in the Trinity? I just talked to a Muslim, right? How do we know the Bible is uh, the authoritative word? I just authoritative word of God. I just talked to a progressive Christian." That, wow. Or they don't believe in substitutionary atonement. What is substitutionary atonement? Mm-hmm. What happens is teenagers and college students start bringing up those questions. Yep. And so the illustration I use is this. Our philosophy, of, this is not just apologetics, but theology, is a sponge and milk, right? Mm. We think if we pour the best milk in, the, in, in these sponges, then it's going to transform them. No. What happens, you pour the best milk in a sponge, if it doesn't squeeze out, it rots, it spoils. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we think, well, let's take theology and apologetics and pour it into the sponge. Let's make the best quality. It doesn't matter. If they're not squeezing that out and engaging friends, peers, strangers, neighbors, classmates, teammates in gospel conversations, it rots. Wow, what a great illustration. Yeah. Simple, simple. But, you know, what happens, though, when you do that, they come back thirsty for more. So the same sponges come back, okay, give me more. Boom, give me more. Yeah. So you want to get... Uh, teenagers and college students to grow, you got to get them to go. And when I say grow, I mean grow theologically, spiritually, and on an apologetics level. Mm-hmm. You know, get, you got to put evangelism right in the epicenter of all that. Plus, it increases your prayer life because it scares the crud out of everybody. <laughs> yep, Everybody's yep. like, Lord, help me. So, like at our Dare to Share events, we're like, All right, everybody, hold up your phones. Yeah, this represents all your friends. Now we trained you, so you're going to call one right now. Yeah. And they're like, What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're going to pray first. And I'm telling you, those rooms are hot with prayer wow. yeah. because they're like, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, so. you talk about uh, apologetics and how most of your apologetics has been street apologetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that. So you learn on the streets. So you, you engage a conversation with a Mormon. You find out, okay, that's a really good question. 
and here's our get out of jail free card. I have no idea what the answer is to that, but I'll find <laughs> out. Then I go back, I look up gotquestions.org, I talk to my youth pastor, I read my Bible, I come up with an answer, and I continue the conversation. Hmm. Street apologetics is when you, not that you don't read books on it beforehand, but that you primarily learn as you go. Hmm. I think there's a philosophy of evangelism that keeps people from evangelizing because they think they have to have all the answers first. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no. You only have to have one state. You only have the power of the Spirit, yep. a simple gospel, mm-hmm. and a willingness to admit you don't have the answer, wow. but that you'll find it. Yep. And then you, we have so many. That's when the apologetic resources are, are wonderful. Here's the other thing, I think, with apologetics and evangelism. We're no longer at the beginning of Acts 17. We're at the end of Acts 17. Okay. The beginning of Acts 17, Paul stood in the synagogue and said, Open your scrolls to Isaiah 53 to people that believed that the Word of God sure. was the Word of God. The Old Testament scrolls were the Word of God to Jews. At the end of Acts 17, he's talking to the, you know, mm-hmm. pagan, you know, uh, epic and uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, yeah. pagan. Uh, and the scriptures he, don't mean really anything. No. Either. So what does he do? He communicates the gospel as a story, and then he uses apologetics at the end. He's given proof to this by raising Jesus from the dead. He doesn't get finished with his gospel, and then they freak out. Some believe, some uh, reject and scoff him, and some say, we we'll want to hear you again on this subject. Well, that's the pattern for apologetics today. We share the love letter of the gospel, the story, and then P.S., it's all true, and here's how we know. Mm-hmm. We don't lead with a headbutt mm-hmm. of apologetics. We lead with a handshake and a love story, and we finish it out with, by the way, here's how we know it's true. So because talk now, about that for a second, yeah. leading with a headbutt versus leading with a handshake, because I feel like when I talk to some people who come to apologetics, the mindset is more of a debate to be right and win the argument rather than winning the person. I remember this happened to me one time. I I, I got in a conversation, plug for Super Summer Camo School. Bill Newton does a phenomenal job teaching apologetics. I came back full of all this knowledge, got in a conversation. I won the argument, but I lost the person. So talk about that, head shake versus a headbutt. So I'll give you an example. So 15 years ago, we did a reality series at Dare to Share called Gospel Journey Maui. Okay. We took a Mormon, a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Jew. Sounds like a setup to a joke. Into a, <laughs> into a bar, and we met a priest. Um, and a, a surfing evangelical, like, bro, uh, to Maui for eight days. We fi- we rented a beach house. We had a whole camera crew, and we had a reality series. We did nine 30-minute wow. episodes. Now, the first episode, you ever been to Maui? Yeah. Okay, no. so Haleakala is mm-hmm. a volcano. Yep. You go there to watch the sun rise above the clouds, right? Okay. So for day one, we get there, three in the morning, you know, go up, go up to the top of this volcano. We watch the sun rise above the clouds. We film it all. And then we gather everybody and say, okay, I'm supposed to ask them, okay, you just saw one of the most beautiful things in the world. How do you explain that? Is there a God? If so, who is he, she, or it? If not, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. So I ask the question, nobody answers. And so I go, all right, well, open your Bibles to Genesis 1. I start preaching. Our producer goes, cut. He goes, steer, get over here. He goes, you want to ruin this? No, no. He goes, this is the one where you ask questions and you listen first. Hmm. And we let them all share, and then you can share what the Bible says. And I remember what my wife said before we went on the strip. She said, honey, you're going to want to just convert all these guys right away and prove that they're wrong. Listen, listen to them first, Hmm. and then they'll listen to you. So I asked the question again. Okay, how do you explain all this? Silence. Finally, Jasser, the Muslim kid, 18 years old. He was actually the youngest one. He goes, I believe that their creator is Allah. There's one God, Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And I'm twitching. Later on, the camera guy who's a believer who knows me, he goes, dude, it looks like you were going to pull out your New Testament like Scarface and go, (laughs) say hello to my little friend. You know, and just blow him away. 
And, and I go, okay, okay. And I'm just listening. In one ear, I can hear my wife, listen, listen to them. Mm-hmm. Let the walls come down. And the Holy Spirit in the other ear is like, listen to your wife. <laughs> so, so I listen. And then Emma shares. She's the Buddhist. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't know about all this got here. I just believe in Buddha. I believe in peace, and I just want peace on the earth. And then everybody goes around except for Zane, the surfing evangelical. Yeah. Well, I forgot. I skipped him. So I go right to the Bible. They're like, hold on, Zane. Zane didn't share. I'll go, yeah, yeah, Zane, share. And he, it was brilliant. He goes, Jasser, see a surfer, mm-hmm. he's like, you believe like in one God? I do too. His name is Jesus, bro. And uh, Emma, <laughs> you believe in peace? Guess what Jesus calls himself? The Prince of Peace. And he goes around and takes something from everybody's belief system yeah. and weaves this beautiful gospel present. I mean, I got yep. schooled with a, by a dude who had half his brain cells from drug use in the past. <laughs> you, make, you make Joster sound like the turtle off of Finding Nemo. That's exactly no, no, right. No, 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 that was Zane. <laughs> Zane, oh, okay, Zane, Zane is a... No, and Zane, I actually travel. He's doing Winter yeah. Jam this year, actually. Yeah. He's a oh, phenomenal man. communicator. But... Um, but it taught me something. Matter of fact, now we teach students with three words, ask, admire, admit. Ask questions, hmm. get to know them, find out what they believe spiritually, admire what you can about what they believe, find common ground. Yeah. You'll get to the apologetics later, and then admit the reason you're a Christian is you're so messed up, you need Jesus to save you. We need to play chess, not wow. checkers. And what happens with checkers is it's, it's a draw, you know, or tic-tac-toe, right? Mm-hmm. It's a draw. And when you go right to apologetics, you're not going to win anybody that way. Mm-hmm. You have to engage, not enrage. And then, as you then once you're in a real conversation, then like during the whole gospel journey, Maui, we you broke out the you know Lee Strobel and Josh McDowell, and I mean all that stuff hmm. was out. But it was once we were really talking. Yeah. So that's kind of our once our they trusted approach. you with the conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's our approach to apologetics. And uh, what would you say? This it's fascinating. This next generation. There's a couple hesitations that even folks who profess to be Christians have with the word evangelism, yeah. with the thought of conversion. Yeah. And so how, how do you answer that? Read your Bible? I mean, honestly, sure. I'm not trying to yeah. be—listen, uh, I know there's the study from Barna that you know millennials look down on evangelism and this and the other. I'm saying we cannot get away yeah. from what Scripture says. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. It's not optional. Mm-hmm. And I also think we have forgotten urgency, that wow. there is a hell and there mm-hmm. is a heaven— and I know there's, you know, there's a big whole Reformed Arminian thing, and that kind of yeah. gets into it. I, I do what I call three-dot theology. Dot number one, it's God's responsibility to save. Mm. Salvation comes from the Lord. Dot number two, it's our responsibility to share. How will they hear without a preacher? Dot number three, it's their responsibility to believe. Mm-hmm. And here's the key. Don't connect the dots. Just mm-hmm. own your own dot. And your wow. dot is to share the gospel of Christ and to compel them to come in. That's what Jesus said, compel them to come in. Yeah. The word, the Greek word persuade, pytheo, mm-hmm. is used eight times in the New Testament. It means to win somebody over. It's not a used car salesman type of stuff, but it's to gently win somebody over. Yeah. And that's what we need to do. We need to convince people because the reality is people are headed to a crisis eternity in hell. Yeah. And there's a hell they're going through right now and the hell they're headed to. And between the two, that gives us ample motivation. Wow. Um, plus Jesus said so. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. I have kids when they were little. If I said, hey, I'm going to the store and make your bed. If they didn't, when I got home, they had consequences. Would you yeah. said, hey, I'm going to heaven, make disciples. I'll be back. You know, yep. and there's, you know, there's going to be consequences when we don't do that. So, That's a good word. We, yeah, we got to do it. So we get think, to do it. Where do you think the shift came from? Because like there was a day and age in which Jim Elliott is a hero. Yeah. Like, he goes to these unreached, unengaged people, dies on the yeah. mission field. 
Now there's a group of people that would say Jim Elliott had no business being there in the first place. Yeah. Who is he to impose his religious system on these people? They weren't asking for that. How, where does that shift come from? I think it's from, you know, postmodern thought creeping into the yeah. church and this whole pluralism that, you know, we have to, we you know, I, I believe there's a difference. We need to respect people's culture. Mm-hmm. We need to be loving toward everybody. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about you colonize and all that right. stuff. To, you know, that was those were huge mistakes by a lot of missionaries in the past. Agreed. But uh, the call is from Jesus to go and make disciples, mm-hmm. and that means there's a moment of conversion. Now it's the Holy Spirit that creates that moment, right? Mm-hmm. But we we do the we do the ask, mm-hmm. right? We give them that opportunity, you mm-hmm. know. And I think it's a lack of theological understanding, mm-hmm. um, sp- scriptural understanding, because you see it throughout, you know, you see it throughout the New Testament. There mm. is a there is a call. People say, well, there's no altar call. They could yes. Every time, come to the water. They didn't yeah. mess come. around with an yeah. altar. It was like, just come right into the baptismal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you walk right to the water, right? Yeah. Every mm. time. That's powerful. So I was like, yeah, well, take it up with Paul. <laughs> uh, Greg, you talk about uh, you talk about street apologetics. Yeah. As you've led folks to share the gospel, as you share the gospel personally, what are the biggest questions that seem mm. consistent? Yeah, I think, you know... I mean, there's obviously the how do you know there's a God question. Yeah. That's always there. I think the biggest question now th- is the, the fact that Jesus is the only way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the exclusivity of Christ yeah. is a question, and, it, and it, it really rubs against this culture that believe, like last night I was talking to Christy at the hotel. She was serving food, and, and she said, I just kind of believe, you know, Buddha and Jesus and, and uh, Muhammad were all kind of saying the same thing, and... You know, this and that. And that's kind of, I think, where our culture is. You know, mm-hmm. I went to India 30 years ago, pr- uh, preached primarily to Hindu uh, teenagers. Well, I had to keep telling them, listen, like, I used a chair and I would put one foot on the chair after I gave the gospel. And I said, Am I trusting in this chair? And they're like, No, I go, What do I need to do? Stand both feet upon the chair. They thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm hilarious in India. Uh, <laughs> I stand on the chair, they're just dying laughing. I go, I put both feet on this chair in the same way. You can't put one foot on Jesus and mm-hmm. one foot on another God. It's faith alone in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. And I gave the altar call, the response time, from yeah. the top of the chair. I think now America is more Hindu than Christian. Wow. Because we have a pluralism of God, sure. your own way. And, you know, I think we have to tell the whole story of the gospel now like we reach an unreached people group, because they are. So powerful. last night, you're at the hotel, you're yeah. talking to Christy. Yeah. yeah. How do you get into that conversation? I think some people, they struggle with evangelism because they don't know how to start the conversation. You yeah. mentioned the app, but, you know, is, is that what you use? How do you how do you open the door to have that conversation? Well, she we were she said, you know, it's really hot in here. I said, it's hot in hell, too. Let me tell you about Jesus. No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> okay. I didn't. I, I like, didn't do that. I should not have asked this question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, I said, hey, we're about to pray for our food. Is there anything you need prayer for? And she goes, as a matter of so fact, simple. there is. Yeah. So ask people how you can pray for them. Ask them, you know, you go to church anywhere. Um, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And just listen, I mean, non-judgmentally, yeah. right? We should be mm-hmm. like Planet Fitness, and you know, I mean, no judgment zone. And listen non-judgmentally, and and then get into conversation, and then we can talk about the differences and the uniqueness. And ex- we don't we don't avoid all that stuff. But we just don't lead with that. Like I I think a lot of evangelism styles are like, hey, you think you're a sinner? You're you know y- you know you are, and here's why. You know, I'm like, okay, calm down. Start in Genesis 1. God created us to be with him. So we use actually a gospel acrostic that we train teenagers mm-hmm. in, G-O-S-P-E-L. God created us to be with him, Genesis 1 and 2. 
Oh, is our sin separated from God? Genesis 3 and on. You know, we go all the way through the story of the Bible and share that message so they clearly understand it. Hmm. And you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to twist anybody's arms. People are ready or they're not. And if they're ready, you give them an opportunity. Is there anything holding you back from trusting in Jesus right now? Greg, as you're talking, I, I just can't help but think that people who are listening are thinking about that one person that they need to share the gospel with. Yeah. What, what would be your advice to them as they think about that one person? Well, <clears throat> prayer, care, share. Pray for them, care for them, and share the gospel out loud with words. Yeah. Um, I know we've heard that misquoted St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. I've changed that quote to preach the gospel, it's necessary, use words. You have to share the gospel and share the simple news that Christ died for them. Keep the cross in the center of that God's love and for us. And he died in our place because of our sin. And by faith alone, we have eternal life and eternal hope. And you get that out there mm-hmm. in some way, guess what happens? Even if they don't trust Christ. They now know who the priest is in their life. Yep. Right. My wife's a public school teacher. Everybody confides in her. Every she's been at the same school for twenty nine years. Wow. Outside of Arvada, Colorado, I'm the Dare to Share guy. Inside, I'm Mrs. Steer's husband. She's mm. a legend. She's had countless gospel opportunities. Wow. She's pretty shy actually, but she drops those breadcrumbs and they know who the priest is at Campbell Elementary. It's her. That's They're incredible. There, they, hey, would you pray for this? You know, yeah. atheist parents love her. I mean, with, with uh, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, he said, how can I know unless someone guides me? Yeah. So just be the guide. Be the guide. And don't be afraid to ask him to cross the line wow. of faith. Don't force him. Nope. Don't be a jerk. But don't, don't, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That's us. That's just not the disciples. That's yeah. us. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Across the street, across the tracks across the world that's all of us wow. and we're responsible and we have the privilege you know to to share the best news ever if we had the cure to cancer we'd be sharing it with everybody who had cancer mm-hmm. we'd go to hospitals we'd get on a plane we'd get on radio and tv we have yeah. the cure to something infinitely worse than cancer wow yeah that's and it. we got to share it. it's good news man we won the lotto man. get the word out <laughs> young people today there's a lot of a lot of i think things that they get dumped on for. There's a lot of negativity thrown yeah. towards the next generation's way. As you're doing Dare to Share, as you're having these events, you're seeing students come in, what just really excites you about this up-and-coming generation? I love teenagers. I love them. I love young people. Um, one, they're just, their brains aren't fully developed, so they're ready to do something crazy. <laughs> they're ready to go, yeah. right? Um, they're looking for causes. Uh-huh. I think we need to reframe the Great Commission as the greatest cause. Wow. Mm. So I tell students, hey, stop human trafficking because mm-hmm. they're passionate about it, but also stop soul trafficking because yeah. Satan's the biggest trafficker in the history of wow. humanity. Give the hungry bread and the bread of life. Give the thirsty water and the living water. Give, you know, build a house for the homeless on earth and one in heaven. Mm. And when you, when you reframe Christianity as a cause, this generation, just they just love it. Mm. So I, I love teenagers. Um, I love the fact also that you got to work for it with teens. I mean, you have to really work for it. And but once you do, they're easy to train. Mm. Yeah. Once their hearts are captured. So I think we need to start with gospel urgency. Yeah. Then gospel fluency, they need to know what the gospel is, then whatever our gospel strategy is, and then they become unstoppable warriors. If you create a gospel like sustainability, so you have a culture where evangelism thrives. It says normal is breathing. So say that again. Urgency? So gospel urgency, gospel fluency, gospel strategy, 
and then gospel sustainability. So gospel urgency is why. Gospel fluency is what is the gospel. That's why you memorize that gospel across. Mm-hmm. Gospel strategy is whatever tool you're using. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I tell people, I, was like, I don't go to a steak restaurant for the plate. I go for the steak, right? The gospel is the steak. The plate is how, the strategy, how yeah. we're sharing it, right? Um, so for us, it'd be life in six words. Mm-hmm. But for others, it may be another methodology, sure. which is fine. And then gospel uh, sustainability is the youth leader creating a culture, a value-based culture that creates a climate where evangelism thrives week in and week out. It's not wow. an event that we do. It's a movement that we live. Yeah. So that means storytelling time every week in youth group of kids that are reaching their friends with the gospel of Christ during the week. That's huge. And we're seeing that happen all across all across the world. Yeah. It's exciting. Well, Greg, thankful for you and your ministry. Dare to yeah. share. Uh, Thank you. This has been the Lead Defend podcast. And Lead Defend, the event is always around the corner. So go to leaddefend.org to find out more information. And until next time, this has been Ryan and Brock.